Hello, and welcome to another episode of Anime Countdown. I'm your host, LB. Joining me, as always, is CT. Good afternoon, everyone. Yeah, so a couple of quick little things I want to mention before we get into our topic for this week. The first thing you should be aware is that I am living in the Pacific Northwest at the moment, and we are undergoing a terrible heat wave this weekend while we are recording. So my window to my office is open. So if you hear any background traffic noises, I apologize. I'll try to edit them out as best as I possibly can. But, you know, things happen. Uh, So, yeah, with that out of the way, the topic for this week's episode is something that we've kind of avoided up until now uh we've always the first thing to mention is that we are doing a studio spotlight we're basically choosing a studio and highlighting our favorite series from that studio which is something that we've never done before it's something kind of new uh, the other thing that to mention is that we are highlighting a particular studio that we have basically avoided talking about on previous casts so far. It's basically been a unspoken rule between CT and I that Kyoto Animation and naming off any one of their series as... Um, your favorite in really anything is kind of easy (laughs) mode. So we've been kind of avoiding doing that. But in this case, what we're going to do is we're going to highlight Kyoto animation and we're going to talk about our top five favorite series that they've been the primary producer of. Uh, Kyoto animation is a favorite studio of mine. I've enjoyed them for many, many years. CT, I'm sure that the same is true for you is that you've been enjoying them for probably longer than I have. Uh, for one or two, uh, years, certainly. And yeah, probably for longer, but I guess that'll come out when we're chatting. We'll, we'll, uh, get that proofing underway. (laughs) Now, I know we haven't avoided talking about their series altogether because for anyone who listened to our alphabet list, for instance, I know that uh, series from Kyoto Animation definitely made it in there because we were talking about, you know, 26 total (laughs) series and movies. Uh, And they they will show up in context, but... uh, yeah, when we were talking about studios, we would give a bye to Kyoto Animation and Ghibli because those feel like uh, over-discussed and for us, as it were, easy mode for the same reason that we tend to exclude things Yoko Kano related and uh, Kajiura related from music discussions because otherwise it, it's, a, it's a large uh, rabbit hole to fall down. So... Today, we are willingly casting ourselves headfirst down said hole. (laughs) So, all right. Uh, I know that I have a couple of honorable mentions that I want to get into before we get into our main list. But as always, I think I'm going to turn it over to you first because your honorable mentions tend to last a little longer than mine. So I'm going to go ahead and let you do your honorable mentions first before we get into our main list. 
I don't know if they will last too long in this case. Uh, one of them that I just wanted to mention, it, it's a little weird. I certainly enjoy it as far as a uh, as far as a, a quick, sweet, you know, slice of life romance series goes. But it feels a lot more about the concluding movie than the series itself. Uh, and what I'm referring to here is Tomiko Market, which ended afterward with a concluding movie, Tomiko Love Story. Uh, it's very neat. It, if I recall, this was almost immediately after Kayon and Micah. Not, not immediate. No, it was a few years after. But it very much felt like, you know, the, the design language that they had uh, established was here they adapted a, uh, uh, sorry, the, uh, the team that adapted Kayon went in and did their own, you know, sweet little series. I think in some ways the series itself is a bit more, I don't want to say forgettable, because pretty much none of them are, but uh, just feels like it's it's a bit more uh, uh, of a normal range. It doesn't stand out quite as much until you conclude it. So it's, a, it's kind of an odd child, especially if you're one who normally just watches the shows and doesn't necessarily uh, pursue everything uh, else movie-wise. Uh, but definitely, definitely a fun one. Uh... Tsurune was a recent series, uh, an, a light novel adaptation. Uh, I, of course, always enjoy your more offbeat sports, so the fact that it was about uh, Japanese archery uh, was really what drew me into it in general. Uh, it was, you know, very a very pleasant going. It was an enjoyable watch. Uh, it sits well. It has probably the hottest sensei. Uh, <laughs> sport, you know, coach uh, that shows up in one of these things, uh, and and overall, you know, it, it didn't outstay its welcome, and it uh, worked very well, but in the end, can't really compete with other members of the list. Definitely worth a watch, and one I'm calling out. Mainly, it's not really an honorable mention. It feels a little more dishonorable to me, and uh, that would be Myriad Colors Phantom World. And I know that has come up in other contexts here and there. I really wanted to mention it just because it's very rare that you could pick one of their things and consider it more of a misfire than uh, hitting on target. Maybe other series are ones that you don't really care for as much, but they seem, you know, they, they still seem fairly driven. This one in particular, it just came across kind of weird. Uh, so I wanted to mention it, not because of, uh, you know, obviously character design was still great, animation was still great, but the overall flow of it and the overall resolution of it just kind of goes... Uh, more sideways than I would usually expect from Kyoto Animation. So, 
So I'll go ahead and I'll tack on to that because I had myriad colors on my honorable mentions as well. <laughs> uh, now, now was I, yours more uh, honorable or dishonorable? Oh, it was dishonorable. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was bringing. I was gonna bring it up specifically just because it's rare to see a series, let alone a series from Kyoto Animation that manages to peak I suppose in their first couple of episodes and then just go downhill from there uh, I think the peak of Myriad Colors Phantom World is the boob limbo scene because <laughs> that will be that's like number two man <laughs> yeah I'm just saying that that scene is going to be what anybody brings up with that series. That is true. That is the that is the takeaway from that series that everyone is going to remember because I know that I've watched the series a couple of times, uh, once or twice at least, and while I remember bits and pieces of it. It was such a forgettable series that the main thing that I'm always going to remember about it is that scene. It was <laughs> that was the only thing that was particularly memorable about it. So definitely kind of a dishonorable misfire there. I was wrong, by the way. That was episode one. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the cold, the very end of episode one is like, okay, well, maybe we're done here. Although yeah. you don't, you don't get to meet Guppy Chan yet, so she is best girl and best design. <laughs> so it would be a shame to not get uh, Reina in some fashion. So, so the other two series that I wanted to mention, they're not dishonorable mentions. They're not really misfires. They just. Uh, were kind of series that I didn't enjoy as much as the series that made it on my main list. The first one would be Nietzsche Joe, uh, which is a series that I have watched. I didn't entirely dislike it, but I, I've yet to watch that final episode. <laughs> that uh, are you one... saving it for a special occasion? I don't know, because <laughs> I have one episode left in that show, and I can mark it as complete. And I just can't be asked to do it. So, yeah, so it's just one of those weird shows that's enjoyable enough. But, again, the big takeaway that I'm always going to remember about it is the quote from the unnamed director who said that Nichijou is proof that Kyoto animation isn't infallible. I would oh. tend to disagree with that. that we've talked yeah, about Nietzsche Joe before, and yeah, the humor but, weirdness really settles with with me. But uh, I can agree, as with our typical uh, consensus opinion about about comedy, in that it's the most suggestive day. Uh, sorry, the most subjective thing yeah. <laughs> that you're ever going to run across. I can see why it's uh, a bit more divisive. Yeah. So the last series I want to mention on my honorable mentions, again, 
good show. Really enjoy. I did enjoy it, but after a while, the cast of characters just got too large, and I hmm. couldn't keep up with it anymore. And that would be Free Iwatobi Swim Club. Uh, I got through the first two seasons of that, and I did enjoy it. I thought that it was really well done, but the movies came out after that, and those introduced a bunch of new characters. I tried to keep up, but I just couldn't do it, so I eventually dropped it somewhere after the second season. So yeah, good show, but I'm probably never going to pick it up again. It does seem interesting that that's the well they have gone back to the most often, mm -hmm. I think. Because three, maybe not the most content from, you'd have to do an episode count for that. But as I recall, at least three seasons and three movies, right? Yeah, and plus there's going to be another one. Right, and, there, and there's one that's been announced, so we... We know they haven't stopped with it, where, whereas other people are uh, begging and pleading to continue old stuff. It's like, nope, free. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose Wet Hot Boys is uh, certainly a selling point. There's but, nothing uh, wrong with a little man service. Indeed not. So, alright, are we ready to get into our main lists? I think so. Alright. Uh, Mine are going to be, in this case, I don't always throw it together in, you know, like 54321, or uh, uh, I'll usually compile my list in a specific way where I'm trying to either dodge or align with what I'm guessing your uh, uh, list is going to be. So maybe I can bring it up before you do. Uh, or sometimes just because I have more to chat about one thing. But in this case, I'm putting it in rough impact, like personal impact to me. Uh, and I think I will, I will start with the ones that I do feel we are most likely to uh, share on our lists. So I will actually start with one of their most recent series and the most recent on my list in Violet Evergarden. Okay, yeah, we can definitely spend a few minutes talking about this. <laughs> we've, uh, we can choose how much, because we've definitely talked about Violet a bunch before, mm -hmm. uh, coming up in, in other contexts, on the alphabet list, with, with the music, which I hear you're roughly a fan of some of the music from it. Yeah, a little bit, we could say that. That call guy. Uh, certainly, I I remember, I think I was the most stoked for this series than at any other after just looking at the PVs that they were showing the promo videos for this, which just had ludicrous levels of animation and shine, uh, like the specular sheen <laughs> of this promo video was just mind-boggling at the time and i'm like okay I'd, I'd have no idea about it it certainly seems interesting from what i saw of the character and the setting uh, uh it seemed interesting it seemed very much right up my alley uh and 
you know, a large part of it was going to be, can they, do they keep this up for the whole run? How well can they keep it up? And short of a specific uh, thing that, uh, you know, really draws me, and I, I think this does still manage to top their visual and animation quality, uh, uh, including largely backgrounds and, and everything else. Uh, certainly it was compelling. It uh, definitely had an interesting story to tell through. It had certain episodes that were monumentally memorable <laughs> and impacting <laughs> others that aren't so much. Uh, now, I, I don't know if you watched the movie... In, I have in our... not yet. Okay. I would. I definitely want to. I just haven't yet. That that was the first. Uh, it it's got another notable thing. It's the first thing that brought me back to a movie theater, uh, while we were still in you know basically COVID lockdown. Uh, so it was prior to. It was after me getting COVID. So I was less concerned, but it was prior to me, uh, getting uh you know the uh vaccine for it so uh it was therefore a little little bit risky but i'm you know i'm like you know what violet is worth it so what uh what brought you to and through i assume you watched it uh week to week or is that one that you decided you would rather uh marathon when it was complete i actually waited i watched it I binged through it on Netflix. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah well, I, I, I forgot. That's the thing that made me curse not flicks more than anything else was the uh, the lack of weekly uh, uh, distribution. Damn it. Yeah, no, I didn't watch this one week to week. I watched, I binged it on Netflix. Um, it was one of those shows where... I was reporting on it at for J-List as the PVs were being released, and I was blown away by what I saw at the time, but I wasn't 100% convinced about it until I actually watched it. And yeah, it the animation, the music, I've talked about the music before with on our soundtrack podcast. Um just everything about it blew me away and i haven't revisited it because i remember some of the more painful episodes <laughs> and i just don't know if i want to uh, when i'm going to be able to sit through those again but i definitely want to just rewatch it probably sometime soon and then just go through the movie and let myself bask in its glory was there uh uh, was there one episode more than the other that uh, hit you? And was it, as uh, Community Consensus Lies, episode 10? <laughs> uh, which episode was that? 
Uh, that was the one with the uh, uh, letter writing over time. I'm not sure how much we want to delve into anything spoilery in this particular podcast. So, uh, is that the one? The, 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 the one with the mother who yes, is the, the letters. Yes, that would be the episode that I don't want to sit through again okay. if I can avoid it. I, I guess you could skip it, but. But why? That episode in particular just kind of hit me really Before hard. you watch the movie, you, you definitely will need that one, though. There is literally a direct hook okay. into the movie through that. It's not necessary, but I do think that, in a way, probably give yourself some time, you know, spacing. You still have a few more episodes, and... Uh, if you're going to watch the first, I know they consider it a movie. It just felt a lot smaller. The uh, the Eternity and the Auto Memories doll okay. it feels just like a, feels more like an extended OVA, but maybe I'm forgetting how long it ran for. But uh, I think it's it's definitely needed in some fashion. Just, you know, prepare for bawling. Okay, I stand warned. <laughs> and I'll I'll leave it in at that regarding the movie, but I I do I almost feel like we should have a a mini cast just chatting about the movie when you do see it because there there's a lot of specific in and outs from that that uh, I at the very least I want to chat with you about whether we do it in front of a mic is uh, is anybody's okay. business. Okay, we will figure that out later. Yeah. So, alright, so for my number one, this is a series that resonated with me deeply. I first watched it probably in my peak weave awkwardness phase. Uh, it was the first parody series that I actually got a good amount of the jokes. I mean, Excel Saga was my first real parody series, but I didn't get as many jokes as I probably should have. Um, this, on the other hand, was the series where enough of the jokes were modern enough that I got a lot of them and it still makes me giggle to this day and that'd be lucky star since that was going to be the second thing i mentioned let, let's dig in all right so lucky star like i mentioned it's not my first parody series uh but it is definitely the series where I got so many of the jokes. The only thing that really bothers me about Lucky Star is how broke I was when Bandai was releasing it as DVD singles <laughs> with liner notes. To this day, if anybody out there has those Bandai single DVDs uh, with the liner notes and they either want to get rid of them or they want to just share them with me, please feel free to contact me and let me know because that would be something that I'd be very interested in. But Lucky Star, 
it just has such memorable characters. I absolutely adore all the characters within it. Kagami is one of those best Sundares ever. Not quite Tosika levels, but <laughs> high. <laughs> Who could be? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so uh, Kagami is just my favorite character in the series. I absolutely love her, and I love her growth throughout the whole run of the show. Uh, but the jokes are timeless in this show. They All of them have aged appropriately. There's nothing in the show that's overly objectionable, as far as I can remember in the many times that I've watched it. So... Uh, so yeah, so Lucky Star. Sorry, I just got a text message on my phone. That's yeah, I, I heard it buzzes through. So yeah. So, anyways, um, but yeah, Lucky Star is just one of those really great parody shows that aged well, and I really enjoy watching it to this day. Whenever I need a little pick me up, I throw on a couple of episodes of Lucky Star, and it just perks me right back up. It's uh, been a while. I assumed we would share Lucky Star. And I think in the end, I enjoy Nichijo more as a comedy because mm-hmm. the particular quirks and weirdness of that, I think it's a bit more clever and uh, sits with me more. But Lucky Star, certainly, I came to first. I came to fairly earlier. Uh, uh, fairly early. Go brain. Uh, I, I, I came to a lot earlier. Uh, stuck with me longer. I haven't revisited it for a while because I keep trying to use it to get other people into it. I've I've mentioned before my rewatches in many ways mainly revolve around me trying to either introduce or share a series with someone again. So... Uh, Lucky Star is one of those that I that I keep trying to go back into because I have uh, also a pair of friends. L- Lucky Star was an interesting series in that my artist friend, she really loves Lucky Star and is one of those that I think she came to early and just uh, uh, sat with her really well. And then uh, my friend, her significant other, that's the thing that he just couldn't wrap his head around. Like, how can people enjoy this kind of thing? I think there's a specific dislike of Seinfeld in there, so I suppose shows about nothing uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably affected it. Like, they're, they're, how many minutes are spent with them talking about the proper way to eat a uh, chocolate cornet? And... <laughs> Like that, that just makes his brain melt. Uh, whereas for me, I'm like, spend they should have spent the whole damn episode <laughs> with an extended sketch about uh, the, the proper meanings of uh, chocolate cornet eating. Also, it did, of course, like many anime, did Food Wars maybe pursue karage after the particular episodes. This, of course, makes me always grab a chocolate cornet if uh, a particular Asian bakery happens to have them. Uh, so the Mitsua near me, of course, they 
they have it. So that's one of the staples I got to get. Uh, I have not worked out an exact science to it. I pick and choose <laughs> which end I bite out of, including at one point I tried the uh, eating all of the bread from around the side so that you just have the, the bottom, uh, you know, baked harder baked bit and as much of the uh, inner uh you know chocolate goo as possible and then uh, eat that at the end it's a very weird way to do it but as this show explicitly makes clear there is no wrong way and uh the more imaginative you are about it the better <laughs> uh i'm glad i i liked how much uh meta a series like this and very fast meta as well, because uh, I suppose they, you know, were plumbing the recent Kyoto animation past and, and anything that uh, exploded in popularity, but you got a lot of, you know, Haruhi references and other things that immediately showed up right again in the course of this sort of thing. So for me, of course, the, uh, uh, Kanata and literally Kanata and her dad in a dashed unified unit for me is sort of the uh, the most enjoyable through line of the show. And I think since it's also the vehicle for a lot of the meta, then uh, you know that that's what I uh, that's what I kink on in the end. But. Uh, <laughs> Definitely, I'm I'm hoping that I can get a, a thorough watch through. There are certain people I've been training more and more on the comedy and the more, you know, uh, head up butt anime, pure anime stuff. So maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll happen. I'm uh, I, I really want to get a, a, a good watch through, but I, I really more want to get it through someone who's coming to it. Uh, either who's coming to it new and enjoying it for the first time or someone to whom it is, uh, you know, a, 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 excuse me, a beloved series and just sort of rewatching it with them. So we'll see. Piles of shame are very large. <laughs> I remember when I was living down in Oregon I tried to show this series to my housemate and I was busting up laughing. I believe I've told this story before actually, but I was busting up laughing and she was staring blankly at the television <laughs> screen trying to figure out why I was laughing so hard, not getting like any of the jokes. And that was when I realized that, yeah, Lucky Star is one of those shows that you have to work your way up to. <laughs> Definitely. The specifics of it entirely. I've uh, there, there are folks where I'm like, OK, it's worth it. But maybe, you know, it's the pause and explain. And it's not really a ruining a joke thing, but obviously you're not going to appreciate it the same way if it's filling it with... Uh, <laughs> you you have to spend a lot of time uh, working your way around to an appreciation of why you should have laughed at this. Yeah. It ruins the flow a little bit. So, all right, since 
Uh, you had Lucky Star next on your list. Do we want to go on to my next one, or do we want to go on to... Yeah, go go on to your next one, I guess. Did I steal Violet from later in your list anyway? Yeah. So how many? Yeah. So you have three remaining, so I might as well continue then. Because I'm pretty sure we are not going to line up with any of the others. Okay. Which will be interesting. Uh, this one is one that feels shamier to me on my pile of shame because it's actually been uh, around for a while. It was released prior to Tomico Market, which I also only came to fairly recently uh, when they started. You know, it's the sort of path of least resistance. You, you wait around for it to hit legal streaming instead of pursuing it. And that's fine. With a thing like Tomico Market, I'm fine to have waited and gotten to it. But I, I kind of really feel like I should have pursued Hyoka a whole lot earlier than I did get around to. But uh, when I did get around to it, I, I have a particular uh, uh, fondness for this series. And I think anyone who picks it up largely develops the same thing. Uh, you kind of know what it's about going, going in, sorry, you, you know what it's going to be about when you go in. It's in many ways almost a show about nothing because it's about these mysteries, but these mysteries are in many ways completely meaningless and a little silly. Uh, some of them fully absurd, uh, but for the most part, the hook is very minor, and it's really just about watching two characters specifically of the <laughs> pretty much four-character cast uh, and just experiencing school life through their eyes and the, you know, the the simple rom of your rom-com drum slice of life uh, develop it it's given enough time i think it's better as two core than one although they could have fit it in in the end uh i think because it builds to something a bit more meaningful in the end with uh with oreki specifically because i figure more fans or more otaku going in are likely to uh uh align on his particular personality and type for the same reason that, uh, you know, like Hachiman ends up being the uh, a full-on audience analog for the Snafu series. So uh, it, uh, it just comes across in a way that you think you'd kind of get tired of but the simplicity of it and, you know, the the childish silliness of certain parts of this with the more meaningful parts of it, it, it all comes through in the end as a weirdly compelling watch pretty much from the beginning. As long as you can make it through the first couple episodes, I think you will really find the, uh, the experience worthwhile. Uh, I think it'll, it'll appeal to a broad crowd, both, uh, you know, real, real deep in weebs and, 
even, you know, people who haven't watched a whole lot, as long as they don't have a particular, you know, hatred of comedies. So maybe, maybe Bran wouldn't uh, want to uh, <laughs> pursue this kind of thing. But uh, I, it, it's one that I wish I got to earlier, so I could have introduced it to more people earlier. It's one of those that just sat with me that I'm. I enjoy spreading forward to just find. Have I created a new fan of this? Can we chat about it? Can we have a lot of fun? There's a, a particular YouTuber I found through this series as well, uh, who has a. I forget if he got every episode. I don't think got through everything of the series yet, but. Uh, and now I'm forgetting the YouTuber, of course, and I didn't look him up ahead of time. But uh, it, it gave me, after finishing it and discovering, I'm like, who's been chatting about it? Who, who, who of the famous YouTubers? I just discovered one who did a real deep dive into analyzing Hyoka. And in a way, it made it settle deeper for me and, and made it more enjoyable by right after watching it, getting sort of a full bore analysis of it. Uh, I know there's definitely a lot more, excuse me, uh, to the the classic literature club novels. There's, there's more to the novels. I, there's even more manga to it. I do wish that this would be gotten back to in some fashion, even if it's just uh, a movie to let people revisit it. But... Uh, yeah, in in the end, it it's just something that you should really watch. And as long as you make it through the three episode test, I I think you'll have a particular uh, love of this show uh, through through the whole thing. I remember giving Hioka a chance once. I don't remember how far I got into it, though. I remember I put it on hold, and I never got back to it, but I don't remember how far I got. Well, hopefully this convinced you a little bit to at least try it again. Maybe try it with some people to see whether or not uh, it's worth getting into. Who knows? <laughs> so, all right. Uh, so, for my next pick, I think. Let me check the timing real fast because <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, this isn't a series that was my first Kyoto animation series, but. It was definitely one of the first where I got super obsessed with it. Mm. Uh, and that would be Kaon. Okay. So Kaon is one of those shows, again, it came out, what, 2009? At tail yep. end of 2009. So uh, Kaon, I was really you know, high into anime at the time. I was about four or five years into my career. Uh, I ab 
absolutely loved this show. The music rang really strongly with me. I really enjoyed it. K on season two in 2010 ended up giving me the harsh lesson of sometimes you can have too much of a good thing. <laughs> in the sense, I mean that in the sense of K on season two really probably should have been either one core or a split core because two straight cores of K on just proved to be too much. Uh, I still really enjoy it and I, and I enjoyed the movie that came afterwards as well. Um, But yeah, definitely it was, it became one of those shows where, I was loving it, I was loving it, I was loving it, and then suddenly not so much loving it, more Hmm. just finishing it because I feel this deep dedication to it. Yes, I can see wanting wanting to get through it. Uh, I forget if that was Naoka Yamada's first real director role. Maybe she had a, either a short work prior to that. Uh, certainly, it uh, it led to you know the uh, the expectation of uh, great things to come uh, from her and the team, which, as previously mm. stated, followed in the Tamako market. But then for her, much more. Uh, Kon, yeah, I got to it later on. Uh, certainly, I enjoyed it i haven't felt too much compulsion to go back through i can agree that it it feels like maybe we should have had a little bit less of it (laughs) in uh in season two uh spaced out given more time i it it's kind of weird like going through that i I sort of felt the urge i kind of wish we had more azamanga dio well, is is where I would get to with with Kaon. It's definitely enjoyable. I still have the you know the the a little bit you know jerky spiteful counterculture of everyone makes a huge amount of the songs, the OPs and the EDs from this, which are fine, but they're not barn burners for me. And it's one of those series that annoys me a little because it's so much about music allegedly but you don't get enough for me to really latch on to uh uh, and feel for so in the end it's a you know it's obviously progenitor race uh cute girls doing cute things so uh (laughs) certainly the impact it's had on the industry has been mighty uh, and in the end, as long as you're going in to enjoy it from that front, it, it's got plenty going for it. Uh, I, it's another one that I'm interested in trying on people to see whether or not they're at a particular stage of otakuness to be like, <laughs> can, can they handle Lucky Star yet? Uh, are they fine with, with K-On? What does that mean? Uh, especially if you've done some of the pure form cute girls doing cute things later as like does does the earlier version of it still work or or not so it 
it'll it'll be something that I'll come back to from a uh, socio-political perspective as far as <laughs> anime goes. Uh, but yeah, the the impact certainly wears off over time. Maybe not for Digi, but uh, but for but for me. The weird thing about K-On's music is that I personally loved the ads. The ops were fine, not great, but fine. Um, but I think some of the best music if from K-On wasn't even used in the series. They have some really banging singles that they released on like image albums and character albums and such. But... Yeah, they have some really great songs that just never made it into the series, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah, especially since they had so many episodes. Maybe they could fit fit a few more things in there. That's interesting, though. I, I don't think I've ever pursued or, or listened through an image album or, uh, or extended OST stuff. So, Yeah, worth, I remember... Uh, I was working a retail job down in Oregon and I remember bringing my laptop in and on my lunch break would sit there in the back and watch the K-On! live concert that was released um, featuring the voice actresses performing the music from the series and their character albums and such and I got some weird looks, I won't deny that. Maybe, maybe. So, alright, let's go ahead and move on to your next choice. Well, I mentioned the uh, the music connection, so it is time uh, to bring in something that I'm, I'm sure you knew was coming. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't save this one for last. Uh, well, may- maybe I'll have you guess which one is my last, but... Uh... Yeah, the, this is also the one where, that I mentioned with Violet before, that for a personal reason, this one, for me, ends up being uh, uh, more the most visually compelling to me as well, because I find it fascinating that you can take a whole concert band and animate the crap out of it to a point where, you know, I'm... I'm not regretting watching it during parts of Nodame Cantabile. I'm like, ah, it's, it's filled with stills. It's filled with CG. It's filled with, with bad animation. You're making me not like an orchestra. Uh, <laughs> but it, it did later uh, delve into some CG abuse, but few and far between, thankfully. Uh, and certainly not in, in season one and, and season two of uh, Hibike Euphonium. Uh, I do refuse to call it Sound Euphonium because Hibike is just such a cooler word to say. So. <laughs> uh, but yes, that uh, definitely... Now this one, the musical impact for me is interesting because it's effectively one song there's a, there's more than that there there are a few other pieces that are played here and there and a few other bits that you you don't have uh you don't have initial exposure to 
like when uh, Kumiko and Reina are playing this thing from their middle school as a uh, duet on a mountaintop, which is a great scene and a great ending of an episode. And in season two, when Asuka is playing uh, her euphonium piece for Kumiko at the riverside, and again, a great way to end the episode, you get individual pieces that are are great and meaningful and expressive and uh, emotional, but the core of the show is effectively about one piece. Uh, the way that, uh, you know, their competition works is all of the bands have a set piece to play and then they all have their own one. So you get a bit of the set piece, but you don't get a whole lot of focus of it because that's going to be the one that every band plays. So it's like, okay, let's just show that this band is growing and playing it. But it's all about the, you know, their, their unique piece. And... I feel like the the build of both the uh, uh, the characters and the, the ones who are introduced to playing music in general, uh, the ones that are introduced to the band in general, uh, the band coalescing around this piece of music, it's effectively spread from episode one to episode five of season two uh, to the first time that they play the piece in its entirety. It's just transportive at that at that point. That uh, it was the first and only thing to beat out for me the medley scene from Kids on the Slope, uh, which again is another series that I love musically. It has a ton more music in there as well, in part because they can just plumb from the history of jazz at that point. But the uh, the scene that you get between the characters coming together and the medley they play, the the fact that it's animated so well, again, from a, a perspective that as a musician, at least during my high school days, doesn't make me wince. It <laughs> gets props in and of itself. Uh, but yeah, going, going through the beginning of season two to when they play at regionals and you hear the whole piece in its entirety for the first time, it's just huge uh, for me. And I, I love the piece. I will listen to that one any day. I've, I've hooked people on the show just by telling them to listen to the piece because I figured I didn't have a way in otherwise and i'm like look they will eventually play this and then they really <laughs> love the music and then they'll go back and watch the show and, and that's great for me i think i think that's a hallmark of uh of something really special in particular uh so yeah i will i will talk about this all day uh i know that again it's another thing that once people if you make it through the first three you are likely to uh make it uh, through the rest and really enjoy your ride. Uh, it has the uh, best Asuka. Screw you, Evangelion. You are outdone. Uh, I know that uh, this was another one. I forget if you stalled on it or canceled it entirely. I know we've had that chat before. Where, where The where and the why of it. Did you... You haven't felt compelled to pick it back up but was it just like the normal thing where you didn't feel compelled or you just got out of it and, and lost all the enthusiasm for it? 
Uh, it was mostly a, I got through season one, I want to say. I'm not 100% about that. <laughs> uh, and then I tried to watch season two, and I just didn't feel compelled to continue with it. First of all, how dare you? Secondly, how dare you? I know, I know, I suck. <laughs> but uh, I almost feel like we need a we need a sub series where it's like you will, damn it, uh, in <laughs> in which we force something that the other has fully canceled out and hope that the passion. Uh, it's like we'd have to watch it together and hope that the the passion of enthusiasm can infect the other for for something we find particularly personal. But uh, someday, maybe we we got a lot more to get through first. Yeah. So, all right. So for my next one, I am going a little more recent. Uh, this one is only a few years old but it is still one of those shows that I've mentioned before that I have a list of about 30 shows where I will just rotate through them and I will just put them on as background noise while I'm working or I'll put it on just when I need, you know, to pick me up or I'll put it on when I just have you know, a short amount of time and I need to watch something that I know I can just put back down and pick back up again later without having to worry about it. Uh, and Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid fits all of those categories. Uh, so Dragon Maid is definitely just one of those great shows that comedy is subjective, but... <laughs> I just can't imagine anyone watching this show and not being able to enjoy it at least a little bit. I mean, even if you're not in love with the characters, just the little bits here and there are enough to pull you in. You don't even have to be a huge anime fan to appreciate this one, as the otaku level of entry is fairly low. That, that feels like it'd be an interesting arguing point. It, in some ways, I feel like, yes, that is. But in some ways, I feel like, nah, I'm pretty sure you, <laughs> you need maybe not to uh, anime as a entire medium and every genre, but there's a, there's a bit of meta that you kind of need to draw through. And I think there is sort of a specific humor delivery that you get more often out of anime that I, I believe very much uh, is not a requirement for, but very much assists a series like this. So I definitely uh, enjoyed Kobayashi while it was running. I know that there are uh, definitely uh, elements of it that are groaners for me and objectionable for a number of people which is a bit of a shame. You kind of wish that you'd have the Kobayashi Toru element and the uh, the the Fafnir and uh, Koto? 
I'm trying remember. to remember the guy's I, name. I always but... forget his name. Fafnir and that guy. Yeah. Uh, if <laughs> I think I think that would be good, Kana as daughter rather than Kana <laughs> and her her friend and the uh, weird worshipfulness. Uh, there are elements that that I enjoy that I know are uh, will turn a lot more people off to it. It feels a little bit bifurcated as an entire series, but uh, you've have you been watching the uh, the shorts this season? No, I'm gonna marathon those within the next little bit uh, before the second season starts. Sure, I feel like those are a very effective flavoring. Uh, to go and get one of those uh, a week. Uh, you know, it's only two minutes worth, but it's it's sort of the congealed enjoyment. I think all of them strike very hard. Uh, uh, not, not very hard, but very strongly in the precise direction of appeal that uh, Kobayashi's Dragon Maid has. You can get your little weekly memes out of it as well, which is always good. Uh... Now, season two is about to hit, right? Yeah, summer thing. it's July 3rd, July 4th, something like that. In the Julys. Yeah. So, uh, yes, that will that will be good. Uh, is anyone doing simul-dubbing for it, or will this be a, uh, will this be one where you're, where you're waiting? Uh, Crunchyroll will be will be launching it subbed. Funimation will eventually dub it. I will probably watch it subbed first, and then come back and watch it again dubbed. Okay, that's good. That that is indeed the thing that I think I miss most about my effectively inability to dub is that I can't throw comedies or the the lighter anime on while I'm doing other stuff because there's a, a level that I just have to pay attention to and if I don't get the appeal out of dubs it it's annoying because there are things that I watch and rewatch because I can be falling asleep during it uh, I can be doing another activity I can be out for a walk at a, at a certain point you don't need the visuals from it later you're picturing it in your head while you're listening to the dialogue so uh but if uh, if you can't understand even the dialogue, that's a lot harder. Yeah. So it is a bit of a shame. Maybe that would be your uh, your your uh, version of the uh, watch this. Damn it! Is you have to watch this all the way dubbed <laughs> in the way that you hope will uh, will win me over in some fashion we uh, we need to we need to have some antagonistic stuff going on that's what the audience wants right they want drama <laughs> is that it i i guess it seems to be what makes things popular on twitter except occasionally when you post sailor moon tattoos and for no apparent reason 10,000 people favored it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Not that that's a real life example or anything, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it certainly can't wait for it to come back. I know that there are some new characters that'll show up in season two, but uh, here here is hoping that a a good uh, majority of the content is uh, 
Kobayashi focused with a, a Fafnir subset. I really hope that we get more Fafnir in second season. Second season has, I know it's going to include some new characters, but if it doesn't have enough Fafnir, that's going to be disappointing. That will definitely be disappointing. That uh, that we don't have a scene of Fafnir getting into watching Black Butler and then like cosplaying as Sebastian at Comic Cat. You know that that's really what should happen, right? It feels right absolutely to me. okay. There we go. So I guess we shall move on to my last. And uh, all right, I'll I'll just lead in. Like I said, this I think I was ordering in order of impact for me, and I said impact differentiating from highest rated or favorite uh, for a specific reason, and that's because this series was my introduction to Kyoto Animation. It succeeded in being my reintroduction almost to anime in general. There are a number of years in the early aughts that uh, I had just lost my enthusiasm and hadn't been watching anything in general. Uh, admittedly, if the streaming era had been there, I probably would have kept up because I wouldn't have had to, you know, go hunting down crappy torrents to keep up <laughs> with, with stuff. But uh, Ray on the forum is the one you can blame for better or good. Uh, wait, for better or worse. Not for better or good. Again, go brain. Uh, because this was the second series that he had posted on a message board. And it's the one that hooked me in with such a weird fervor. And that would be because I took in the weekly broadcast order of the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. And I know, again, this is one that uh, you stalled on or, or haven't gone through, but, but for me, the specific manner in largely reintroducing anime to me in general. I guess I'd, I'd watched uh, Bludgeoning Angel... Uh, Dokoro-chan just prior to this, but when you had, I think, been devouring a lot more in the uh, uh, early 2000s, you know, the, in the late 90s and stuff for me, I had probably climaxed with Cowboy Bebop and Trigon and specifically some of the Gainax stuff, so like End of Evangelion uh, into... Uh, magical Shopping District Abenabashi, which is the last one I really remember really enjoying. And again, quirky humor, a whole lot of meta, a whole lot of head-up-butt otaku stuff. Uh, and there was a fairly specific, you know, design language around that time. Everything, everything screamed 90s and a kind of transition, but it feels like Haruhi was in a way, you know, it was design language for Kyoto Animation, but it would continue on 
through you know the triumph of uh, the moe <laughs> era it was my first light novelization in the modern approach for it uh i just loved the particulars of the characters i enjoyed the weirdness about the whole broadcast order uh of it because the first episode was just me slack jawed going what in the hell is this thing is this the show uh and i assume you know by reputation what the episode was where it was effectively their school festival project so mm-hmm. you were watching an anime through the lens of pretending you had a video camera down resing and bad qualitying and the camera going all around the place and editing errors <laughs> and all manner of stuff. And it was only literally the last like 10 seconds of the show. That's like, Oh, okay. It is a show. <laughs> and then you go back to the beginning and go through and it hops around. So I, I found all of that just hugely compelling. And I'm like, well, I, I guess I have to start downloading as much as I can. Uh, <laughs> so that, that pulled me back in, uh, from the possibility that I would have dropped it entirely as a habit and, uh, and made it a, a fairly large thing. I think I was letting Ray still do the, uh, uh, uh the grunt work of finding stuff. He'd, he'd always been torrenting, you know, from the beginning or finding the websites with the, with the rip, so at least it was easier, but uh, it's the kind of thing that led me full bore into once you could use Crunchyroll for literally everything. It's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll watch literally everything. But, <laughs> uh, but it, it certainly snapped me to attention. Uh, I'm definitely not a fan of the Endless Eight. I feel like that was an interesting experiment that didn't end well, in that it didn't the conclusion had to be worthy of that much time spent, and I don't believe it got there. I believe it was interesting, and it was nice, and it was a little bit heartwarming, but it did, it did not, uh, uh, it did not make the rest of you know two thirds of your entire core being spent on just that. So there is a uh, uh, there is a level of disappointment that. Admittedly, once the disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya, once the movie came out, you know, that hit people extremely strongly and was great, it still makes you feel like, why have they not returned here at some point? Why why no season three? Why no additional movie, if nothing else? So that that was my sly toss to my last item from, from earlier when you were talking about free. That this feels like the one that I think the most people just want to see something else from because we we've gotten these side projects and and other things and it's kind of like they're taunting the community and I feel like there's still a sizable portion of community that wants to see if they can re-experience exactly what they got when when this series in 2006 basically lit the fandom on fire so. And that's why for me it will it will get the top spot and I think is worthy of a whole lot of weird conversation about because there's there's a lot of weird to pull from it. 
there's a lot of interesting to pull from it. There's one of the most iconic EDs of all time to pull from it. Uh, most of the songs are are pretty bangery in this. I I definitely enjoy them. I would uh, I for, I forget if the author concluded the light novels finally. Do you recall? They I... just released a new novel recently, didn't they? But was that a was that a continuation or was that a here's more Haruhi because this gets me money, but it's not a continuation. It's it's a it's a wrap back. I, I know about that, but I just I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> yeah. So that's I am useless. Yeah, well. It, it would have to be something that you were compelled to uh, to pursue. And I forget why you were not compelled to pursue, but it, it feels like the uh, my last three are, are things that I have to uh, uh, beg and, and plead to uh, to get some uh, some revisiting in some fashion because I feel I feel like it has to work, man, especially if you're a huge fan of uh, of Kyoto animation. How did this how did this not work on you? What was it about? Uh, initially with Haruhi, what turned me off was the first season broadcast order. I just did not want to deal with that. Hmm. Uh, so that was the first thing that turned me off about it. I remember I've given Haruhi multiple attempts, actually. Uh, the first attempt I ever gave to it was when Bandai released it on DVD. I tried to review the first volume, was... Thoroughly confused. <laughs> even the, uh, even though never, it was the chronological order? Uh, I don't remember. I remember they, I think they had two different tracks of, they had broadcast order and chronological order. If I recall correctly, I might be off about that. And I don't remember which one I watched, but I just remember hmm. putting it in and being very confused. I don't think I ever even wrote a review of the first volume. Uh, and then a few years later, I tried it again in chronological order, and it just didn't grab me. Uh, as much as I wanted to enjoy it, it just didn't grab me. And someday I'm going to give it another try. But yeah. It's... And even, uh, even the more you watch and the more anime you were made of... I feel like it definitely has more appeal the more otaku you are. So it's the kind of thing that I, I'm certainly not going to, you know, suggest this to, to anyone new to the uh, experience. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't, haven't rewatched it in a while because I've still been uh, trying to pull. There, there's someone who stalled about halfway through. Same thing with. Steins Gate, where we'd get to the middle and then take a break, and then they wouldn't continue it again. I'm like, oh, God, come on! <laughs> I want to watch the end of this show. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, but I forgot. Do we have to rewatch stuff? I forgot what was going on. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I feel like more. That that's my biggest regret regarding marathoning. I'm like finding people with enough stamina to marathon things. I guess mm. it's telling about what really sits with people, but uh, I I half marathoned uh, Steinsgate for someone, but once we got to the, 
the midpoint that if you've watched Steinsgate, you understand the dramatic midpoint that I'm talking about here. Uh, and then it's like, oh, whoa. <laughs> Overwhelmed. And it's like, I got to give it some breathing room. But then it's like, how much breathing room do you need? We have to keep on. <laughs> so it's weird, but uh, it's weird and wild. But it, it's one of those things where I feel you really need to experience the whole thing, even if you're not fully enwrapped with it. It's one of those weird community things that I'm like, you really should go back to it. And it's like, well, I'll keep trying to rewatch earlier seasons of uh, Lupin or Ashtena Joe or other things because I'm like, I I just need to know <laughs> in some fashion because I, I need to fill the palette of uh, anime stuff. And this feels like one of those, especially for modern era things. It's like, you can't skip over Evangelion. You can't skip over Cowboy Bebop. It feels like Haruhi is one of those that you can't really skip over especially because I think enough people would really like the movie, even if they're not as thrilled with the series. But you need the series to get to the movie. So it's, uh, you know, it's one of them situations. Yeah, I understand. So, alright, getting into my last pick. My last pick is going to be, I think, a little bit of a surprise. Uh, so, for my last one, I am going with one of Kyoto Animation's early television series, as in, it's one of their first, not the first, but one of the first. Uh, and that would be Full Metal Panic, The Second Raid. Interesting. Not uh, now. I assume this means you're pulling the entire stretch through, though. All, the Full Metal Panic, the earlier seasons, before going to Kyoto Animation, and including Fumofu. I am not including Fumofu because Fumofu was not that good. Ah, I did not enjoy Fumofu all that much. It was just. One of the reasons why I enjoy Full Metal Panic is for the action and for the drama. I really enjoyed those. And I thought the second raid was really well done. Um, I thought that it had just the right amount of drama and action to pull me through and keep me entertained for the full two, uh, for the full core that it was running. Fumofu was just a little too silly for me. <laughs> I, it was just a little too much of, you know, the stuff that I enjoyed from season one. I thought that I was going to enjoy Fumofu. I really thought that I was going to like it, but I watched it and I have never gone back to it. So when did you get to second raid? Or I guess when did you get first to... Uh... The, the Gonzo ones in 2002 and, and up until second raid. Did you start later in the, in the aughts and, uh, and come to it late? Or did you sort of pick it up right around the time second raid was uh, just translated? No, I actually came to it rather late. Um, I came to it in the late aughts, early teens, I want to say. 
uh, that's when I finally got around to watching Full Metal Panic and really enjoying it. I thought that it was really well done. Um, and I was really surprised that I had never watched it beforehand. But yeah, I came into it rather late. Was it uh, driven by anything other than I really should watch this? No, that was purely, it was purely a, I've heard about this, I haven't watched it yet, let's put it on and see how it is. And I ended up really enjoying the first season, like I said, I marathoned through Fumofu in the second raid, didn't care for Fumofu too much, uh, but second raid I thought was really solid, very well done, and then we got into Operation Invisible Victory or something like that, and yeah, that was not good. <laughs> but that was when they uh, that moved to another studio again. Yeah, it did. I assume it didn't go back to Gonzo, though. No, Wait. I don't believe it did. I'd have to double check though. Does Gonzo exist? Am I remember? Am I forgetting nope. whether or not Gonzo exists? They're still around, as okay. far as I'm aware. I I kind of don't recall whether or not anything from them lately has been uh, has been a thing that I've uh, uh, cared about. Maybe maybe Kakuryo. I kind of enjoyed. <laughs> They did. Yeah, uh, the last... They did the last Exile sequel. Ooh. But uh, yeah, I've never gotten around. I I feel like it would probably appeal to me in kind of the way that Alderman appeals to me. Mm. It seems like some of the dynamic, obviously, different time period. You know, sci-fi mecha kind of uh, uh, stuff rather than uh, fantasy stuff. But uh, interestingly, I have two uh, Full Metal Panic scale figures, very mid-grade, but they were ones that right as I got into the hobby, so this would be shortly after Otakon, I think 2007, 2008, I'd seen a uh, a character, and then there were other ones. I'm like, oh, she looks neat and doesn't cost that much. I shall pick up <laughs> this figure. I, I was very much still in the weeds about certain things. I'm like, I don't know who this is, but she's cute and 20 bucks, so therefore I shall abscond it was and i don't know the characters names of course one one was the uh like the pink purple haired one and one is the uh the white haired one <laughs> i still don't know their name and they're pushed very far back because they got pretty outclassed as far as figures go but uh yeah it, it feels like i'll have to visit but again the pile of shame is so piley and I know there's so many more things that rank higher, so I'm I'm not sure if I'll ever really get around to this series. Uh, was this a thing that you reviewed at the time? No, this was After something I or... watched purely for fun. Okay. I didn't know one if that those... led you to reviewing it. But... No, this was one of those shows where I didn't review it when it was being released by ADV, I want to say. Uh, before Funimation picked up the license. 
Uh, but no, I didn't review it at the time, so when I got to it, I watched it for fun. It was one of those rare series where I watched it just because I wanted to and not because I had to. Okay. I I guess we'll have to get around to it. There's There's one thing that feels like... I mean, we didn't even honorable mention them... But it, it feels I, I I honestly thought you were probably going to end with Clanad uh, because that feels like one of those extremely prominent ones at the very least. Clanad After Story is no, a prominent series specific- in general. None of us I have any of the key titles. No, I specifically avoided Clanad because I remember hating that show. Oh, yeah, I was not a fan of Clanad in the least. So what does that say about us? I never picked up Clanad. I have a feeling that I'd really like Clanad After Story, but I'd, it never got to the point of me saying, well, I should, you know, watch this or, or read this. I've been held back in some ways because I, uh, the community was filled with imagery from literally every key visual novel years right around that mm-hmm. point it was basically flooding everything so the fact that kyoto animation did air and canon and then clonod i forget if they've done any other key titles or which other key titles have been done but those all feel you know very prominent specifically clonod after story especially when people start talking about your more tear jerkers or evocative ones and i really feel like i need to get there someday uh i know in some ways i never really picked up the other ones as an anime because i'm like i i feel like i should play the visual novel for the same reason that i avoided fate stay night for as long as i did and only started picking them up after fate zero was already a, a huge thing in everyone's minds and we got the UFO table stuff coming out. I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll watch some damn <laughs> <laughs> Nasuverse stuff. Uh, <laughs> so to, I, I feel like I kept away from them. Uh, uh, but I, I do feel like I need to make it through to get to After Story. But again, that's one of those things. I'm like, do I want to... Uh, uh, do I want to watch the anime adaptation first or do the visual novel? Do I have enough time? Am I going to spend two cores of something that maybe I'm not going to care a whole lot about because I want to watch two cores of a thing that I do feel like I might care about? I don't know. <laughs> Certainly it's been, uh, it's been on my list for a while, but that, that feels like a weird, you know, lack for, of even mention on for both of our parts. Are there any other you know, things you feel like is Kyoto Animation's prominence that uh, that we should mention? Uh, hmm. I mean, almost every movie that they've done has been a continuation of stuff that they did before. So yeah. the only one, maybe... I was considering making A Silent Voice my... Uh, uh, one of my mentions because I did really enjoy the movie, but I knew you wouldn't have much to say because I'm pretty sure you haven't watched it as a movie. 
and I figured half the time would probably be me wanting to talk about the differences in the manga because the manga hit me really hard. Even I read the one shot at the time, and then because it was in Crunchyroll manga, I, I read the manga weekly and I reread it a whole bunch of times, and it was huge for me. So the impact of that movie is dulled for me in a way that it's not for a lot of other people because it, you know, it's a, it's exquisitely designed and directed and the, you know, a, a rather a tour de force for Yamada. But for me, <laughs> it makes me go, but uh, I, I think almost everything else is attached to a property they already did. So did we, uh, did we leave anything out or do we, uh, or do we just need to wrap it up here? I think we can wrap it up here. I feel like I'm missing something, but whatever. Surely we will talk about anime again, possibly <laughs> even tomorrow. So, all right. In that case, let's go ahead. Let's wrap things up. Thank you, CT, for joining me for another fun discussion. Thanks for a lively afternoon's chat. Uh, and thank you to all of you for listening to us. And thank you for putting up with the sound of traffic coming into <laughs> my mic and open window. I apologize. Like I said, I will edit those out as best as I possibly can. Uh, but until then, have a great afternoon, everybody. If you want to leave us a little review or rating or subscription on wherever you listen to this, that would be appreciated. But other than that, take care, everybody. See you, folks.